Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Off The Top. Today we are going to be talking about the strategy and tactics to become highly skilled at something and maybe in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I think that's something important because the quicker you can learn a skill and prove it to someone, the quicker you are to stand out from your competition and build on that as noticing going into the job field that more people are looking at my skill set than my actual degree. And it's very important to be able to know how to verify or diversify that skill set in a fast manner. Yeah, totally. I mean, what you really have, uh, your skills are basically your tools that you use to get jobs done. And the finer tune you have on your skills or the more skills that you can pull out from your tool belt, so to speak, the better suited you will be for certain things and a larger amount of things than if you didn't have those tools. Do you think that kind of our age group or this time period that having a diverse skill set or being able to build on that is more important than in the past? So uh, that's a really good question. And I think that the area and realm and sexiness of being like a specialist in a in a certain like area or field is still something that's highly sought after and um, is compensated highly just looking at the job market. But at the same time, I think that there are more um, opportunities and desire, especially for the culture that we're in, like you were saying, to kind of be generalists in the fact that you see people um, becoming entrepreneurs and having their hands in a lot of different things and not specifically specializing on one very like peculiar or like specific niche. It's now it's kind of a general amalgam of things that they kind of use as one. Yeah. And I think along with that, you're seeing a trend of even if you're specialized in a skill, you still wear like different hats as they call it where you may be specialized in accounting but you might have some other hat of where you're doing you know organization for something along that lines where you're highly specialized in something but you still have the sub skill set that helps you out in your job field in some way and i feel like that's something we'll touch on as we talk is that even if you're highly specialized in one skill it still is very important to be skilled in other areas yeah uh I think it just comes down to the point of uh, having things that make you marketable and having more skills makes you more marketable. And it's, it's kind of simple as that. Yeah. And I think you'll, you'll really notice that there are people that are really behind that aren't taking um, the action to build on these skills or use the free knowledge that's out there to build those skills. And the ones that are taking advantage of it and being these entrepreneurs or leading their industry have really... Um, took in a grasp of that learning and moved really quick. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe in some cases they've done certain things that uh, maybe are as traditional as uh, like your normal way of learning a skill. But without further ado, I want to hop into one of my, like the main things that I do to gain a skill and to gain it uh, specifically uh, maybe an accelerated rate than normal is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've said it before, but you, all right, I'm jumping out there. You got to have your why. You got to have your goal. And I've said it a lot of times, but that should show you the emphasis of this thing to me is you got to have something that you're going for, a reason that you're, you're doing this thing. 
Yeah. And I think that kind of surprised me because my, what I would say my first step is the understanding. Like, why do I need this? What will I do with this? How can it benefit me or how can it benefit others? And where am I trying to get with it? And once I have those laid out, I realize that's something I want to work on. Yeah, totally. And with that, I mean, with the very clear mindset of why you want to do this thing and like what for, I think that gives you uh, that greater sense of reason than just because you found it cool at one period in time or uh, that it's kind of in. And to go further on that note, I was listening to a podcast of uh, the MF CEO and uh, this, and that's literally what his podcast is called. Um, this guy, I'm, he's slipping my, uh, his name's slipping my memory right now, but he, I think he founded GNC and, uh, what he said, and it resonates to me and, uh, with me. And like, I still think about it to this day is that he uses a very specific uh, type of visualization before he goes to bed on his goals and it like propels him in the future. So, uh, he says that before he goes to bed, he, um, so for instance, I'll put it in my, uh, perspective. So when I was studying for the CFA before, every night before I would go to bed, I would think and, uh, close my eyes and visualize what it would be like to be a CFA, like see what I'm seeing as a CFA, like, I have my own vision and so I'm watching what I'm doing uh, and knowing what it feels like. So is it like even to the point of like, is it warm or cold in this room or if I'm in a room or not, uh, what it sounds like and uh, how like emotionally what it feels like as well. And the clearer you have of this image, the more reason and I feel like the more weight it carries when you're doing like the actions to get to the goal. So it's so like a vivid like affirmation, like saying, I will be here. This is what I imagine it to feel like kind of getting sit- situated to that area. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, totally. And like other people have done it too. So one of my favorites is uh, being a basketball guy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He, uh, I was listening to a podcast. I'm a podcast guy, as you could tell, of uh, Michael Cooper. And Michael Cooper, uh, he was a Laker back in the day when it was Showtime era, and uh, he was a hell of a defender is what he was known for. And before a game, he was talking about, or before games, he was talking about how Kareem would sit there in silence and not say anything and be almost dormant. And uh, one day, Michael Cooper came up to him. He's like, hey, Kareem, what are you doing? And Kareem told him he was visualizing the game and taking it step by step. And even before the game happens in the game of basketball, it's not like you can really predict more than max a couple steps ahead and to not even touch the floor yet. uh, One of basketball's all time greats uh, is visualizing how the game is going. It just shows you uh, what how the power of the like, you know, mentally stepping through and experiencing something before it really happens is. Yeah, and I think that wraps into when you're trying to build a skill quicker, like what Kareem is doing and the other podcasts you listen to is you're seeing all the steps or feeling what's gonna happen and you're kind of visualizing, okay, this is some things I might encounter. These are my, this might be how I work around it. This is how I'll surpass it. 
And these are the things that I might need to work on to surpass that certain obstacle. And when it comes to learning a skill super fast, you want to make sure you're on track and understanding all the variables that go into it when you say your skill you want to learn is playing the guitar. Yeah, totally. And I think you touched on the very, very big point of uh, they're doing this, I think, because it gives them an opportunity for problem solving. Um, any any road or journey you travel, it, it'll never be one without speed bumps if it's one worth doing. So with that, anticipating those and uh, b- before you even happen to come across them, uh, formulating some sort of uh, solution to them um, is one of the biggest steps to, you know, getting over those speed bumps as fast as possible because you already have some sort of contingency plan when they come along. Yeah, and it further goes into even when you're learning a skill, you're going to fail. And I may have mentioned this in previous podcasts, but once you fail, you've learned why you failed and you can step over that and say, you know, this while I was playing the guitar, I wasn't, you know, focusing on the notes and I couldn't play the song you go back and you're like, okay, I need to really settle in and learn how to read notes. And once you do that, you can play the complete song. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, and I'm one of those and, uh, I feel like I lean more of a cynical sense when it comes to this. I think that at some points like failure is almost over romanticized, but at the same time, it's, the only thing that separates the the neophytes or the fledglings, people that are very newbie to the people that are absolutely experts is the amount of times one has failed compared to the other. Yeah, I agree. I haven't heard the term newbie in a while, so that kind of caught me off <laughs> yeah, guard. Yeah, noobs. <laughs> yeah, but I think too, um, one of the things to touch on kind of similar to failure is kind of realizing the difference between progressing towards something and stagnating. So to me, like you can be learning a skill, say you want to learn how to make a layup and you can make a right-handed layup 10 out of 10 times. And you're like, okay, I'm skilled at right-handed layups and you think you've mastered it. But when you get into a game situation, you aren't always going to have that same setup coming from the right side, one, two, no one's touching you. Like you're going to have to learn all the little nuances of what, you know, goes in that layup. Like for example, Kyrie Irving, Stephen Curry, like we see them make crazy shots all the time and it's like oh those are so lucky but i guarantee you they thought about this circumstance and have practiced it for hours and hours and hours to understand every variable like we touched on that goes into it so you need to be able to understand like oh yeah i'm i've mastered this or i have the real base fundamental down and there's a lot of variables that i'm still got to work out or branch my skill tree into Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's one of those things where I feel like the people that are almost perfectionists and have this obsessive personality when it comes to this thing, like, uh, I'm gonna like reference somebody else in the sport of basketball. Um, when the Miami Heat won that championship with uh, LeBron James, Ray Allen, and Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade um, against the Spurs. Ray Allen was getting interviewed and um, he said that he got like uh, asked and like talked to a lot of people talked about how amazing a shot was, but nobody and it struck it stuck out to him. Nobody asked him, like, how did you know that uh, like you were going to take a fading shot from the very corner of the like the court from the three point line? And it's those things that the greats 
um, are prepared for. And it's, I feel like it's, uh, it's not a coincidence. It's really, I mean, the people who, the future is for those who prepare is a thing that I like to say a lot. Yeah. And I know you and I talked on when Ray Allen retired, he released a document or a, a letter to the fans through the Players Tribune and it touched on his lifehood. And one of the points it talked on very similar was like, you'd always encounter people and they'd be like, you have a God given jump shot. Like it's perfect. And his response to like having a God given talent was like, God doesn't give a damn if I make a jump shot. And I think that speaks volume saying that he worked really hard to get that. And it's almost insulting to him that people think it's just a natural talent. Like, yeah, it's there, but like there's hours put into that to get where he was. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, um, even to touch on that more and maybe switch gears, uh, one important thing that I think people listening should know is that, uh, and it's going to sound shitty to hear and listen to, but I feel like it's important to sink in that, uh, and maybe going counter to what you've heard before, but just, if you just work hard, that is no guarantee of you being successful. Like just working hard isn't enough. There's so many other factors and things that you need to do uh, that just working hard isn't going to be adequate enough for if you truly want to be like, and granted success is a very relative term. So compared to somebody else that could get them to where they want to be, but to get them to where uh we're kind of talking about the upper echelon or maybe even world-class at something hard work is not going to get you there on its own. Yeah. And I think something to take out of that is, um, you may be working as hard as you physically can or what you think hard is, but if you want to say you're going in a competitive industry and you want to be the CEO of Nike and you're like, Oh, I'm working really hard right now. I'm doing this and that, but working hard is subjective. And I think that kind of comes back to the skill set thing. Like you can work as hard as you think you're working until someone checks you. And I think that's one of the steps for me that's really important when building a skill. It's either finding a mentor or getting checked. Like, cause you're not going to know how hard you're working or if you're slacking off until someone lets you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I feel like those two things are even somewhat compliments to each other just because like, uh, when you're building this skill, um, some of the times when you're building a skill, it's uh, maybe a majority of the time you're doing it alone. Either if it's, you know, working on basketball stuff or working on photography or working on uh, like whatever specific skill you want to talk about, guitar, you're going to be working on your own. And um, it's important to have some sort of idea of what you want to end up as. I mean, a goal, but at the same time, you there's things in people that you would probably do better off of emulating in small senses to kind of uh, keep on elevating your game. And maybe that's a mentor who breaks it down and how they do it. Or maybe uh, it's like a YouTube video or even, I mean, even if it's some dude that you hate, and he just shreds on the guitar and you're like, man, I can't despise him, but let me pick apart some of these things that he's doing that I like and I'll take him for my own. Yeah. And I think with that, like going further than that personal story for me, like I'm previously said a marketing major 
And most people come to me like, oh, why, why are you so familiar with this marketing? Why do you seem so um, advanced? Or where are you getting these techniques from? And to me, it's kind of a question that's like, okay, am I really work? Am I working hard? Or are you not working? Because like in my free time, I'm reading these articles and learning about new technology or what's big or trending in the the marketing world and watching these YouTube videos, like you said, or even cold emailing. Just some, you know, never set your goals. Like goals are can never be too big. So I can email if I can find their email and I like what they do. I'm going to email them. Cause the worst thing you're going to get is a no. And if you get information from that, that's going to make your journey to that skill more and more valuable. And I just think it's important to understand that, like, if you really want to be skilled, this is a great era where you can almost reach anyone. You just have to put in the work to find them or, you know, find their gatekeeper and get there and you'll get some valuable information. And if not, you'll learn some things on the way. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something I was going to touch on, too. Um, I... I mean, and as cliche as it sounds, never has it been as easy to get a hold of somebody ever in the history of time for human beings. And so uh, use that to your advantage. And, um, and yeah, cold emailing is perfectly, is honestly encouraged and, uh, and strategic too to save some of your time. Uh, like what I would suggest and uh, what I've read and what I've participated in is, uh, let's say you want to get good at surfing and you, you first like, all right, so I know the world's best surfer is blank. I, I'm not really well versed on surfing, which is probably not a good idea of making an example. <laughs> but once again, um, I know that he's the world's best, so I'm not going to like... I, it would be tougher for me to pursue the world's best at something compared to maybe the second world's like the, you know, the person who's right below him, who isn't as like sought after or, um, as active or even the third. And so as you want to like create this, uh, like vast, um, supply of skills and opportunities to learn things from different people, um, really think about those, like those people that you can emulate or even get a chance to converse with on the internet. Yeah. And I think what you touched on is very important. Like maybe you're not able to reach the first or you're going for the second or seventh or 15th on that list. Um, a lot of the times, if you think about it, like being that second or seventh or 15th person is a lot hungrier than that first person. So if you're able to get in contact with that person and see what they're doing to try to catch up to number one or be number one, it's going to be a lot more valuable than say the guy who's number one is like, Oh yeah, I've been doing you know this for six years. While number two is like, yeah, I was doing that for a couple of years, but I'm working on this new strategy that hopefully blows up and you learn something from that, or you learn a new technique surfing or whatever that may be. Um, each circumstance or each person you contact is going to have a different circumstance or some knowledge to give you in that chain. Yeah. Yeah. And even to kind of uh, like twist that and put a different angle on it. Um, a lot of the times, uh, like the people who are the best or are naturally gifted at something, they succeed in spite of what they do. So for instance, um, like let's say somebody who's naturally just built and big, they're strong 
in spite of the exercises they do. And not saying that they're doing wrong exercises, but um, usually it's that person who isn't as naturally gifted, just like just like sports and coaching. Um, usually the best coaches aren't always the, the players or the people that participate in the sports, most naturally gifted people because um, they, they're like naturally and innately predisposed to do these things that some people really have to break down and work on very, very particular skills to become like good at. So for instance, like Coach K, he, a uh, basketball coach for um, Duke University, he wasn't like an extraordinary basketball player, but he's extraordinary at teaching people how to play basketball. And uh, people like that who um, kind of seem like a peculiar people who are just uh, like, um, like swimmers. There's a world-class swimmer who... Um, who swims for a country and uh, he picked it up when around 30 and he has a very interesting swimming technique. Uh, I'm going to have to find this guy and uh, somehow notate it for you guys uh, down in the description, but um, he picked it up so late and he's not naturally gifted at it. So uh, what that would indicate him being world-class is that his skill level um, and if you could see my hands, my right hand is way above my left hand and his skill level, my right hand, uh, is, must be much higher than the skill level of people that are naturally gifted at it for him to compete against them and hang around the same area if he wasn't as physically and naturally gifted, you'd think. Yeah. And I think a lot of those times in whatever industry you're in, you can kind of see those people who are extremely you know, naturally gifted or talented. And then you can also see the ones who work really hard. And if you can find, I guess you consider it a unicorn or a gem, but if you find that person that is extremely gifted at what they do and work really hard, um, an example, Kobe Bryant, really not really gifted, worked really hard and achieved a lot of success. And like anyone could agree, like that stands out. And if you can find someone like that or find a route to get there, those are great people to be in touch with or to model, you know, your skill set after find out their work ethic to get their skill set. And I think that rolls into my next topic is, or my, my third point of building a skill for me would be watching. You always have to be watching and understanding your environment, what's going on and what's changing. And that factors in a lot into where your skill is going and what you can do to jump the competition. Yeah, I'm, that's that's a very, I feel like that's a very obvious one is to be a student of whatever you're doing and not always to go out and do it immediately, but watch how it's done first. Um, and I feel like that's, there's a very, very great opportunity for somebody to basically get introduced to something that naturally they wouldn't come up with uh, unless they watch somebody uh, do it who, you know, who maybe is uh, naturally, like for instance, I, uh, like I naturally move this way, but watching somebody move a different way, that's like, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. I haven't thought about doing that. But if you think about it, uh, what they're doing helps them better 
do X, Y, or Z, which once again, I'm learning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, kind of being able to watch and seeing how other people are fail or failing or how other people are succeeding gives you keynotes to yourself and where you're move progressing, like you said. And I think that kind of comes around too to one of the other things that you should be aware of is when say you're building a skill is thinking about the other skills that come in down the line that help that skill. So I guess an example would be like if you're a news anchor, like you should be a pretty good journalist and how to find out, you know, all the information you need to present on live TV. But at the same time, you want to learn how to, you know, learn how to present or be social. And so sometimes you think you're going to learn one skill, but for that one skill, it takes multiple or a branch of skills to complete that skill. Yeah. Um, I think that's basically the point of cross training is that to fully have this skill that is absolutely refined, you need other skills that support it. Just for instance, like you said, to, if you're a news anchor, um, a skill that would probably help you is having very, very strong writing and very, very strong uh, ability to uh, convey an idea to somebody in the way that you intentionally uh, imagine them to receive it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very important because at the end of the time, once you get to the skill or whatever your end goal with the skill is, if you've gone the right path, you'll have picked up other skills that you thought about in the, you know, before starting the skill set, like maybe after this, I'll do this. But you found out during that time you learned how to, you know, convey that information or another example, like if you are trying to learn Photoshop, you're also learning, you know, photography you're creating content you're learning what's good and what's not and then that content you give content to photoshop to build that main skill that you want yeah 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 i mean that's that's as as good as it gets just because um there's things if you specifically trained on one certain technique that you'd be very deficient in other things that this uh this art form or skill requires just because you aren't opening and expanding your minds in different avenues that overlap that specific skill set and even in ways that you probably didn't imagine or intention would. So give me a process, give me a skill that you've learned recently and the process you went through to learn it at a quicker pace than average. Um, okay. So the one that I've really been kind of uh, uh, fostering right now is photography. And so I got in photography, uh, cause I was inspired just by, um, first off, like one of my, uh, I'm, I'm a creator, so I love creating things and, um, putting things out there for people to digest and experience themselves. So, um, naturally got into photography and, uh, I'm a researcher, so one of the first things I did was watch. And so I watched YouTube videos, I read articles, and I consumed as much as I could in uh, like a short amount of time. What were some of the YouTube videos that you watched or the people that you watched? Um, that well, I mean, mainly, pardon me? That stick out to you. Oh, uh, I mean, I really don't specifically, like, it's not like I will hammer people that 
like uh, certain people, but it'll be certain things. So for instance, it'll be, uh, I've watched probably like 10 different videos on uh, shot composure and um, uh, f-stops and like technical things. And then also like how to work lighting. Like there's been countless videos that I've watched and um, I think it's more important that you don't just watch specifically one person because you have that one person's ideas all the time. But you also watch different people because different people think differently and have like explained things differently. And also like, you know, I mean, I feel like you're getting a way more well-rounded uh, experience and knowledge if you're having it come from different angles. Mm-hmm. But other than that, and then once that happened, I also reached out to somebody who I know is fairly successful at photography and like have met with them a couple times to talk about it and talk about the process they went through. So even like a small mentorship on top of me learning through the internet and then obviously going out and shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you... Where do you feel that you're at in this process of developing that skill? Oh, I'm, I'm extraordinarily nascent still in the fact that like, it's, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any refined skill yet and I wouldn't expect myself to. And the, the degree that I hold myself as far as like, all right, so this is when I know I'm very skilled is, uh, very far away and not saying that's my goal to be very, very skilled, but, um, if I keep on chasing it, I know it'll just be a matter of time, but just like with anything, um, it, it does take time. I mean, you can accelerate it with certain things. And, um, one thing that I want to mention too, is, uh, uh, being very particular with how you practice as well. And, uh, effect of the 80, 20 rule, you, some of you guys have probably heard it and maybe we've even, even mentioned it on here before, but it is, uh, it basically is this rule that 80% of your results come from 20% of something or 80% of anything comes from 20% of something. So for instance, 80% of the great shots that you have uh, in photography, just because I want to stay on subject, is because of 20% of the actions that you do or I do. So being very um, intentional about how you practice and um I don't think that practice makes perfect. I would say perfect practice makes perfect. But if you work very, very like specifically on certain skills and you can kind of do it and I know it's mundane and a little tedious, but if you can apply yourself to very like focused efforts and concentrated efforts, I think you can see leaps and bounds of your skill level in a very short amount of time. Um, just off of very, very specific actions that you can like take again and again. Yeah. And I think that touches on my, of my four steps. The last step is, is practice. And to me, practice, like you said, is more than just doing it, but having a pattern or a rhythm or a way of doing it that way each time you're evolving. And the other thing with me in the practice segment is being confident and not being afraid of what others people think. And I think that stems from like, if you want to, you know, be a photographer or a musician and your friend group is trying to roast you for that, like cut them out. Like no one needs that. Like I, 
coming from people who know me, like I, if I don't care, I don't care. Like you can get gone. And I think that's something that's big is understanding during your practice. If people are supporting you and you're able to talk to people and get their real insight, um, is like you said, leaps and bounds to help. Like if I take this, you take a photo and someone's like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Um, but they don't, aren't really telling you anything about it. Like they aren't giving you anything, but if you have a real friend, he's like, you show them a photo like, Oh yeah, I really like this, but you know, maybe you should try this or you should do this, um, is a lot more helpful to you, even if it's on a small scale, um, in the long run than someone who's just kind of like boosting you just to do it. So how would you say, or what do you think when you do run into the, to the negative, uh, reactions, to things that you're learning or things that you're doing? Uh, so like for instance let's say that you had a youtube series and you had a video that people said that your quality is bad and that you are like boring or dull or like you know giving you negative feedback on that and uh how do you react to that like you said you um you don't pay much stock into the negative parts but how would you react to something like that i mean like i've done a few different youtube things and a few different things here and there but like i think everything comes with a grain of salt or a grain of truth where say someone brings it to your attention like hey your quality is a little off it's a little fuzzy or like your transitions are a little abrupt or it doesn't seem um smooth uh i think there's a grain of salt you take with that like okay you watch it yourself and like okay i see what they're saying what can i do to change that and that kind of goes down into getting those skills but it also is like you have to realize sometimes if you're hearing the same thing from the same person over and over again it might not be what they're looking at that might just be them out of spite or like i think an example is i don't look at negative but if you have a if you are friends with someone who's always just always saying the same thing or like sweet dude do it cool like and they never like dude this is sweet because like i like the way you frame this photo or i like the colors in this photo and they aren't giving you any feedback i think that's worse than getting negative feedback i think getting false positive feedback is worse because you you're more likely to believe positive feedback you're about to take that to heart you aren't gonna like oh no they can't be playing but like you take it to heart and over time you realize like if they would have given you negative feedback and you would have took that to heart and like, you know what, they're right. Let me impress them or let me do this. Um, you've advanced to work on it as taking positive feedback. That's fake. You become very complacent. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think what it comes down to, like what you were talking about comes down to, um, understanding it's a, it's a growing process and that understanding that, as sexy and as great as it sounds, like people aren't just going to, um, oh, 99% of everybody isn't going to naturally be uh, extraordinarily gifted at something just off like first blush. And um, being okay with making mistakes and being okay with, uh, you know, not always having like either being the best at something uh, and being all right with working towards being the best with something too are very, very important skills and um, well, very, very important mindsets even to have when you're tackling something that you're starting out with. 
Yeah. And I think it's important to realize too, like you're saying is, um, time frame. We're talking about some tips that can help you speed up the process of learning a skill. Um, where speeding up is vague, general, could be any time frame to you. But most of the time, these skill sets are going in the long run. So even if you are just starting videography and creating video, like people, you might not get a whole lot of hype or people or fans, or you might not really enjoy the process for the first year. And that first year clicks and you finally kind of f- figure out your workflow and you're shooting different video and b-roll you're like you know i'm really starting to like this and you're really diving deep into it then before you know the end of the second year is done and it just exponentially grows like that then it just becomes second nature and by that time you may have put in your ten thousand hours yeah and i think that's also a really good point too what you just mentioned there um the way that you will be great at something is uh it's going to be a long road however which way you take it and the fact that um, to be world-class at something, um, you will need to put uh, a lot of time in and uh, be very, very consistent with it too. Um, so for instance, uh, let, let me paint a picture for you. Let's say that uh, he, um, there is this world-class golfer and he's having a really bad day and you can see noticeably he's having a bad day and the fans do too. And he hears some fan uh, in the stands say, I wish I could be you on your bad days. Um, But in the real sense, what that golfer should say is, you wouldn't want me on my bad days just because his bad days are him practicing uh, from you know, let's say that he practiced for four hours one day at a very, very specific thing, or uh, there's times when you practice and it's, you literally have to, like, things aren't going well and you have to punch in and punch out almost like a job. You have to get your, you know, your commitment done for the day and be committed. And um, it's, it's one of those things where you, it's, you're not going to make that granite sculpture uh, just overnight, it's going to be one of those things where you wear the marble away into creating something that's magnificent. Yeah. And I think what I'll add to that is that in the skill, building a skill set, instant gratification isn't a thing that only exists on the internet and buying things in real life. If you think you're going to just, Oh, I watched this YouTube video by Casey Neistat and his filming's awesome. And you're going to just pick up a camera and do that the next morning at, more likely than not, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, you should really be doing something with it, but it's most likely not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And don't be afraid of the long journey at all. Don't. Because regardless if you uh, take it or not, I mean, in life, there's no certainty. So you could either do something that you want, like have a zeal for and love to do and fail at it, or you can uh, do something that's mediocre and you think is safe and fail at that too. So there's no reason, there's no reason why you shouldn't be uh, shooting for the stars on this thing and, um, you know, taking, taking your licks as they come and just kind of being consistent with it. Yeah. And I think like you touched on is great. When you're doing the skill, building this skill, whatever it may be, it's your passion. So even if in, you know, it doesn't work out and you don't become as good as you did. You just played with your passion for 
a year, three years, whatever that is. And you loved every moment of it. And I think that's something that's really important to think of in, you know, the short term or when it ends or whatever that may be. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if I could, um, kind of rephrase and like package everything up. I mean, we first talked about um, like finding your why, uh, like observing and possibly finding a mentor, uh, uh, being very specific with your practice. And uh, at the lastly, we mentioned about being consistent. I mean, uh, if you could kind of give our viewers one last or listeners one last like little tidbit, what would it be before we head off? I think after those four steps, the one that that starts it all is doing it. You can't do anything or go down this process without starting. It's not going to, if you're going to say it happens tomorrow, it doesn't happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen. As long as you put it off, the longer you have for someone to jump ahead of you and you never to catch up. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly well said and a great foot to uh, leave this podcast on. So once again, thank you very much for listening. And if you want to leave your criticism uh, down below in any of the forums and uh, places that we're at, that's highly uh, um, thanked. And uh, we love seeing that stuff. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks.